listener production. Okay, are you recording? G'day, welcome along. You are listening to episode 69 of the Howie Games Part B, featuring Olympic champion Sally Pearson. Please make sure you've already listened to Part A, otherwise this won't make any sense. Alrighty, let's continue. I've had the pleasure on this show of chatting to Cathy Freeman about her gold medal, which is probably one of the most famous gold yep. medals in the history of the country, and she spoke through the day. Can you try and take us through the day of the Olympic hurdles yeah. final at the 2012 London Olympics? Um, Where you'd come in winning 32 out of 34 yes. previous races. You're a red-hot favourite. Yeah. The pressure was on you. You're expected to go out there and perform. What, what is a day like that like when you have spent, Sal, the previous X number of years of your life in training sessions getting to that 12-second period? Um... I think I have to take you back to the opening ceremony more than anything, because that's where it started for me. We were walking up to the stadium in the Australian team, obviously, and I was walking with Catherine Mitchell, who just won gold at the Commonwealth Games. And I remember walking next to her and I said, I've got a big job to do, don't I? And she looked at me and smiled and she goes, yep. Australia! a very big team. Because <laughs> <laughs> because I've been in Europe for so long that year, I didn't know what the Australian media were talking about. I kind of cut myself off from that because you don't see it. You always saw what the British were saying about their athletes. So that was great. That took the pressure off. But I knew that I, I was still needing to win this race. And I remember walking into the stadium going, I need to win this. I have to win this. There was no, oh, I want to win this. It's like, I need to do this. has to happen. To, this has to happen here. And um, going through the heats, the semis and the final, my, I was in so much pain. I had the worst back pain ever. <laughs> and I went into the heats and you see the athletes warming up and they go, they, they set their blocks up, they go over one or two hurdles in their warm up, leading into the race announcement. And I couldn't even do it. I did one and I usually do two. I was like, oh my God, my back hurts so much. And I said, this is the Olympics, who cares? <laughs> just run, <laughs> let's just do this. Um, and so I got through the heat. I was like, oh, it's a pretty good time considering my back is killing me right now. And then I obviously lined up for the semi. I remember, I remember um, on the day, the morning of, I was, I hate the semi-final and I was so nervous for it because it's make or break. Like, you win it, you're into the final, you lose, that's it for the rest of your Olympic campaign. You, you don't get to come back out here again. And I was pretty sort of miserable, but I was pumped. Like not miserable, but I probably came across miserable because I was so focused. I kind of like, when I wake up in the morning, my facial expression does not change until I finish what I'm supposed to do that day. And I'm like, just blank, walking, having breakfast, going back to my room looking at my watch, seven hours to go, <laughs> what do I do now, watch a movie, I think I watched, um, oh, what's uh, Daniel Radcliffe movie, it wasn't even Harry Potter, it was something, the, the witch thing, I don't know, the black, I don't even know what it was, I can't even remember, <laughs> and I was scared because I had all my, my curtains closed, and I hate scary movies, but I felt like I had to watch a scary movie, <laughs> so I'm sitting in my room by myself <laughs> watching a scary movie, and then, um, and then after that, it was like, okay, lunchtime. Went and had some lunch. Oh, God, five hours to go. <laughs> and this is for the semi-final. This is for, the semi-final's on the same day as the final. So I'm getting, I, I'm having to take race by race because the semi-final's an hour and a half before mm -hmm. the final. 
And I'm like, oh man, okay, it's three hours, I'll have a shower. I didn't have a hairdryer, so I have a shower three hours before I start getting ready so that by the time I'm ready to do my hair, my hair's dry. <laughs> this is very important. <laughs> no doubt. This is, this is the routine that I have to go through. Three hours before I have a shower because I, I have to wash my hair. Even though I washed it before the heat the day before, I still have to wash it every single day that I race. So everything's clean, shaven, ready to go. <laughs> it sounds horrible. This is the routine that I, I, have to, I have to go through before I feel like I'm ready to go. So I have a shower, wash my hair, let that dry for the three hours. <laughs> what am I going to do for three hours before I get ready? Maybe watch another movie, just shit. Watch the rest of the Olympic channels that we had going through our mm. village. Um, went and had a snack, came back, work at my club. Okay, an hour and a half to get ready, two hours. Maybe I'll just start doing it now and start going really slowly through my routine. What does one snack on the day of an Olympic final? Um, it's usually a muffin, okay. probably like a blueberry muffin right I would on. have. Okay. A bit of sugar, a bit of carbs, because I can't eat anything else. You feel sick. Like, sitting here now, I'm thinking of that day and thinking how sick I can, I'm feeling. Because you, your body goes through this, like, fight or flight stage and it's getting rid of anything that you don't need. You don't need during that stage of feeling. and. So you kind of lose your saliva because it's like you don't need saliva when you're scared. <laughs> so my mouth's really dry all the time. I'm having to drink. And then you don't want to drink too much. Then you've got to pee all the time. <laughs> you're not feeling hungry because when you're going through that stage of fight or flight, you're like, you shouldn't need to eat right now because you're getting ready wow. to do something spectacular or scary or whatever you're supposed to do. You lose all of those senses and this adrenaline just comes over you. And... That adrenaline is what's going to make or break you in battle, I guess. So in, in, my, in my circumstances, a race, the Olympic semi-final and final. And so your body's building up this adrenaline, but at the same time, you have to control that adrenaline because you don't want to use that energy too soon. Because after you run, you feel exhausted. And you've only run 100 metres, but it's not the physical side that's exhausted you. It's the mental side, the adrenaline that you've had to build up to become the best athlete on the night. And so I was, I'm trying to control this excitement, this adrenaline, so that I can hold it in for my race. And then I, I, I remember really clearly, once I was ready, once I'd done my hair, it was dried and it was, it was back and I put it in a plait, <laughs> put my makeup on, because you've got to look good, because you've got cameras around the whole world looking at your face. <laughs> so made sure that was all done. Got my uniform on. And then it was time to walk to the bus. So I'm walking really slowly and I'm taking it all in. I'm taking all the athletes in. I'm looking, I'm still in the village at this stage, walking to the bus because the bus was literally in the village almost. I'm looking around, looking at all the athletes, just seeing what they're doing. While inside I'm like, holy crap, I'm really nervous. Um, but I need to control this. This is, I, I secretly love being nervous because I know that that's what makes me a great athlete. And so I'm trying to calm that down, looking at the athletes sitting on the bus, driving to the track. And I know that um, the cameras were waiting for me to walk off the bus into the stadium. And the head coach at the time kind of pulled me around the back of the tents. So they were waiting for me to walk through the main entrance of the stadium. And 
<coughs> that attention doesn't really bother me, but it obviously bothered him and he didn't want me to have that attention. So I just, at that stage, you don't really focus on what's going on around you. You just sort of focus on people who are looking after you. He pulled my hand. We walked around the back of the tent, snuck into where the Australian team were getting loading pretty much before they started their warm-up. They had the massage service and the physios there. And it's always so quiet because the support staff think that they're not the ones who are allowed to start talking <laughs> because it's all up to the athletes. They're run by what we do. So if we start talking, they can start talking. That's how it feels to me. It probably isn't that, but that's what I'm seeing as I'm getting ready to run. And so I'm like, hey guys. And I had this big smile. I was quite chirpy. I was really excited. And they're like, oh, hey, how are you going? And they start, and I don't even know what we're talking about, just rambling off stuff and enjoying our moment before. I have to start putting on my headphones to do my warm-up. And people always ask me, what music do you listen to when you warm up? I'm like, I have no idea, actually. It's it's a mixture of lots of pop and rock and heavy. Um, But for me, putting the headphones in creates an atmosphere that is completely different to the atmosphere that is on the track with no music. It is, without headphones, it is... The track is the quietest place to be. The warm-up track in particular is so quiet because usually by the time I'm running, it's only finals on. So everyone is quiet. They're focusing on what they have to do for their competitions. And so I can't stand that. Quiet is, is just too noisy for me. I don't, I don't like it. I can't focus in that situation. So I put my headphones in, I put my music on, and then I can have my own little party in my head (laughs) and in my (laughs) warm-up. And in my warm-up, I'm even more bouncier and I'm I'm doing my hurdle juice and I'm dancing. I don't dance that much, but like for me, moving my shoulders or little bops here and there is a big dance thing for me. And I'm enjoying myself. I love warming up because then I can start to physically drain away the nervous energy because... Um, you have all this energy that you can't do anything with while you're waiting and waiting and waiting around. And then when you start doing physical activity, you can start to slowly, slowly burn it off and become a bit more comfortable in what you're doing. And so I I love my warm-up. I feel so relaxed and so comfortable doing that. And then, um, yeah, semi-finals went through and I'm sitting, Dawn Harper was in, I think it was in the third semi-final. Dawn Harper was in the second one. And I kind of like being the last one because you can see what everyone else has done and then you can just go, okay, right, I know what I have to do. And she had run a PB in the semi-final and I'm like, I sat up, I'm like, she's ready to go. She'd run quite fast. I think she'd even run faster than what I had run in the heats. 12.46 easily through the Olympic champion from 2008. And I was like, okay, right, she's ready to go. She's not going to be faster than me. I'm going to beat her. I have to be the fastest going into this final. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, like a caged tiger, caged lion, sitting in my seat, waiting for the judge to come over and say, semi-final three, follow me. And I was like, I'm sitting there, sitting there. They say, I'm getting up. I'm like, okay, ready to go. And then I got into that. I think I was more focused in that semi-final than I was in the final because the semi-finals, I said, is cutthroats, like you're either in or you're out. And I'm racing and I, I think, I haven't seen the race that many times. I watched the final more so than the semi-final, but I crossed that finish line and I'm like, yes, I ran 
nine, I think, or 12.37. Fastest like, qualifier. Fastest qualifier by maybe about a tenth or maybe five hundredths, I'm not sure. Well, but this is all about Sally Pearson going well away from the rest of the field. A brilliant run once again by Pearson. She takes that. Zelenka of Canada came up for second place. But once again, just as she showed in Daegu, she ran a brilliant time there. It's the fastest time in the world this year. It's 12.39 for Sally Pearson. And she looks a cast-iron favourite. You're giving me remember. chills at the moment, by the way. But I, I, I was so determined to make sure I was the fastest going into that final because... That's what I had to do to win. That's all I knew. That's how it had to be. If I was going to win the Olympic final, I had to win that semi-final and be the fastest qualifier. That's just how it had to be. And so I walked off the track. Um, I didn't, don't usually do interviews before this, the final because it's just too short. I had to get to the warm-up track to get ready for the final. I remember walking past the journalist and said, I'm ready and walked off and kept going. That's all I said to them, because they, obviously they're ready. They, they're recording no matter what, whether you say something mm. or you don't. And I just remember putting my mouth into the microphone and said, I'm ready, and just kept going and walked off to the, to the warm-up track. Um, and, I don't know, do you want me to stop there? Because no. there's so much more to go. No. I, this is the great thing about a podcast, so I'm happy to sit here and listen to this for the next 40 minutes. It's um, outstanding. I got to the warm-up track. We walked. You could take a buggy from the track to the warm-up track, or you could walk. It wasn't far to walk, but if you finalists get the choice because you've got to save your legs. Um, and I'm like, Sharon, I, I have to walk. I need to calm down. I am so wired right now. I'm like, my head is about to explode. My eyes are going to pop out of my head. You're wired. You're telling me <laughs> yeah. about it now. <laughs> I'm trying to reenact what I'm feeling and I know what I felt. I'm the only one who knows how I felt and so I'm the only one who can explain to you what I was going through and it's a sprint event. You have to be on edge. You have to be on your toes. You have to be ready to go. And we got back to the warm-up track after the, the short walk and I'm walking around the track. We do this, like, recovery walk. There's nothing you can do in that period before the final that's going to help you. I don't even think I warmed up. I don't think I did anything. I just sort of sat around and maybe did a jog. And I walked around the track with Sharon, and I said to her, Sharon was my, was my coach at the time, I said to her, I have to win this race. And she says, you are. I'm like, no, I have to win this race. And she goes, you will. I said, I know. But I couldn't stop saying I said, no, but I have to. I have to. Like, there's no ifs or buts about this. This has to happen. She goes, you will. <laughs> I'm like, I just, like, I don't, I don't know what I was looking for. I don't know. I, I know I was looking for reassurance, but she was giving it to me. But did I really need the insurance because reassurance? Because I already had it in my head because I'm saying I have to win this. It's not like I want to win. I was like, I have to win this. And it was the first time I ever said that. And... Um, I remember going out there to the track and it was quite intense because there was a few girls in there that hadn't been in the race before, hadn't been in, in, the, in, the, in the final of a major championships before. Coming up now to the final of the women's 100 metre hurdles and what a final it should prove to be. We've already had a United Kingdom all-comers record in the hands of Sally Pearson of Australia. And so that was a little bit distracting to me because I didn't know what their routine was. I hadn't seen them before. I wasn't sort of comfortable with their, with their 
presence, I guess, which, which is a bit strange, but I kind of didn't let it, I didn't dwell on it, I didn't worry about it too much. I just kind of like, okay, whatever, they're there. Um, and then walking out to the stadium, as soon as we got out from underneath the stadium, it started to rain. <laughs> I kind of giggled to myself. I was like, yep, that's just what had to happen. We are in London, but it had to happen on my race. It hadn't rained for the whole bloody Olympic Games, but it rained on my night. As soon as we walked out into the stadium, it just started to sprinkle. I was like, of course. I was like, whatever, I don't even care. And then they had a medal presentation on as we were setting up our block. So I'm standing there watching the flag go off. I'm like, I'm being respectful, but I really want this to hurry up and finish right now because I wanted to keep getting focused on what I have to do. So I stood there, did that, set my blocks up. And now I come across probably a bit rude or a bit snappy when you're out on the track because, you know, this is it. This, there's no turning back now. You are going to run this race. So usually when you get into the blocks for your practice runovers, you're telling the judge what hurdle you want up and you're like, put it up, put it down, put it up. And you're like, you're having to yell because you want them to do it quickly because you don't have a lot of time to do it. And, I, and they're putting this second hurdle down. I'm like, no, up, up. I'm like screaming out. So I'm like, what are you doing? Up. <laughs> and I mean, I feel sorry for the officials because they're going to put up with intense athletes because it's the Olympic final. Mm. And we're, we're all a bit snappy. Um, but eventually that happened. Nailed my first two runs, happy, focused. And then I'm in lane seven and I'm like, I hate being in the outside, like the furthest, either I don't like being in lane one, two or three or seven, eight, nine, even though they're the lanes that I've done really well in at major championships. Because I am so impatient. And they do the announcement of the names of the athlete in each lane. And it takes, I don't know, it feels like it takes an hour to get through all the names because you've got to say the country, then you say it in French and then you say it in English. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and I'm in lane seven and I'm waiting for six lanes of athletes to get to me. And I'm like, I'm so ready to run and I'm trying to control myself while staying ready to go, like staying so focused. And they come to me and I'm like, yep, all I'm going to do is nod, smile, do this, maybe so that they hurry up and get past me to do eight and nine so that we can get this race underway. <laughs> the Olympic silver medalist from four years ago, the reigning world champion indoors and out, the new holder of the UK all-comers record. Sally Pearson of Australia, 12.39 in the semi-final. Can she prevail here? <laughs> and then, um, okay, that's all done. And then it's like, on your mark, okay, you walk into the box, you set yourself up and all of a sudden you hear boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The stadium announced, I think it's a good idea to put a heartbeat over the loudspeaker. I can already friggin' hear my own heartbeat going on. I don't need another one. This is on your marks. Like the starter's about to say set and they're going boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, you've got, this is in my head as I'm, like about to take off out of the blocks. And I was like, don't focus on it. Cause I can already hear mine in my ear. <clears throat> Cause it's jumping out of my throat as well. And then going to set, they stop that, which is all, also a distraction when they stop it because you get used to the sound and then you're going to set and then they stop the sound because you've got to hear the gun go. There's so many things going on. Time and Pearson gets away very strongly indeed, and Wells going very well too. And then, I guess I want to say the rest is history. But I remember in the heat and semi-final, 
Hurdle eight was my biggest hurdle to get over because I hit it both in the heat and the semi. So I'm like, I've taken off, I'm in the lead. I go over first, go over second, go over third. I know I'm winning, I'm excited. My heart's racing, my breathing's like really frantic. My eyes are set for that finish line. I'm just like, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. That's all I'm saying because there's nothing else I can do in Olympic final. You just have to keep running. You don't hit hurdles, don't hit hurdles. Pearson's in front as they come to the boat and Pearson clears out from Harper and Wills. Pearson is well clear. She's only got a couple to go. Pearson and whoever, Pearson and Harper. Then I get up to hurdle late. I'm like, this is hurdle late. Let's just, I skied hurdle late. Like I went over it so high because I didn't want to hit it because I'd hit it in the heat in the semi. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that was too high but keep going keep going keep going and then I like I got over the last hurdle and I'm reaching because then all of a sudden I see Dawn Harper in lane four I don't even know what lane she was and I'm like oh my goodness and I'm just like line dip as long as you could like almost fall over dip because you have to do that to cross the finish line Sally Pearson is coming away from this or is she Harper's coming through very strongly well Pearson gets it I think from Harper Pearson and whoever, Pearson and Harper, go the line, Pearson, Pearson I think's beaten Harper by about a hundredth of a second, it's a dipping finish, but I think that Sally Pearson's got there, and got there by the narrowest possible margin, there's nothing in this. I knew I'd won, but I was like, but what if, I don't know, she got a shoulder, because you take the finish, the photo finish, you take it from here, down your whole torso, you don't, you don't have this part in at all, there's no shoulder, no arm, no limbs, that can help you, not even your head. You don't even take your head. There's no point in throwing your head forward because they don't count your head. They count it from here down to here. And that's whatever crosses the finish line first in that part of your body. So from your neck to your waist. Neck to your waist is where they take the photo from. No point in throwing your arm forward because it's not going to get you anywhere. Um, so I was like, what if she got like a neck in before me? And I was like, I don't know, because she was so far away. I know she was close, but I think I've won it. And Pearson doesn't know. She doesn't know, but I think she got it. I really do. I think she got it. And the sea of yellow in the stadium at the finish line, because that was where the athlete seating was. And that hasn't been an athlete seating for years now. It's always at the back or up high, and you can't see any athletes. But that was like a really special moment, because I'm looking at this yellow going, was it me? Did I win? And everyone's like, it's yours, it's yours. I'm like, but I don't know, but it hasn't been confirmed. And then, 32 like, seconds. I watched it last it 32 night. 32 seconds. 32 <laughs> seconds from when you crossed the line to then what happened? To, like... How do you see it? I just see Olympic champion. Next to your name. That, but it's very, very close. I have to say, between Pearson and Harper... <laughs> Yes, you did get it, I was right. Pearson is the Olympic champion, 12.35, and Harper must surely have broken her personal best, and Australia have got that much-needed gold medal. 12.35, 12.37 from Dawn Harper. How hard she tried to retain her Olympic title, but that was a sensational final, it really was. And where Pearson really was under pressure. She didn't know until the end, and she's embraced there by Kelly Wells. Uh, I see Sally Pearson. No, I see one Sally Pearson, and I'm like, I can call myself an Olympic champion. Right now, right this second, I can call myself an Olympic champion. That was what's going through my head. I am Olympic champion, Olympic champion. Oh my God, I'm Olympic champion. That's all I was saying. And then I fell to the ground, obviously, as you saw, because I tried to jump, but I couldn't because I had nothing in my legs. So I just sort of fell. And then I fell on my back and then I'm like, Oh crap, my back hurts a lot right now <laughs> because I'd been so sore in the heat and the semi-final. I'm like, 
now the pain's hitting me. And I got up and I was like, ah. Oh. And I ran over to Sharon, I'm like, oh my God. And she, the first thing she said to me was, oh, is your back sore? <laughs> I said, I don't care, I'm Olympic champion. Alrighty, back to Sally. At the moment, I'm feeling just relief and excitement and just everything all around has been uh, hectic and nerve wracking and I don't feel anything right now. What were the emotions when you were crossing the line? It seemed it was a nervous few moments. It was, because I didn't, I didn't realise how close Dawn was to me. And um, I crossed the finish line, but I didn't look straight away. I looked at what, but after I crossed the finish line, I saw how close she was. I'm like, oh no, please don't let this happen to me. I need this tonight. This is what I've wanted for so long. And I just can't believe it. How long have you dreamt of this? <laughs> Since I first watched Kathy Freeman in Sydney 2000, it was like, I'm like, oh, I want to do that too. So 12 years later, here I am. Is it everything that you dreamed of and focused on and wanted and worked for? No. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really. Um, if I could switch the, if I could switch Beijing excitement with London excitement, that would be everything that I had dreamed of. So why wasn't it? Because I was favourite going in and there was a lot of pressure. Um, a lot of more pressure from myself. Um, I was so relieved when that race was over. I was, I was just thanking God. I'm like, I'm so happy that I finished this race and I don't have to do it again because it was just so intense. It was. It took a lot from me mentally and physically to produce that result. Um, I had to stay focused for so long. Well, you had, to, you had to stay focused for years to get that. Before you've even done it, you have to you have to be making sure that everything is going well. Your body is not injured. You're looking after yourself every which way that you can think of. Um, even things that you don't think of, you still have to be doing. <laughs> um, it's 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 a hard slog. Um, it's one that I would never change and I loved every minute of it, don't get me wrong. Um, but the feeling that I had crossing that line was more relief, like, thank God, <laughs> I did it. I did what I needed to do and now I can be happy. The way you've shared that is outstanding. <laughs> you were giving me goosebumps the whole way through. It's, um, yeah, to hear you say it, to what yeah. you're going through is extraordinary. From that, Sal, any athlete's career is highs and lows. Um, I said I wanted to talk to you about a few things. It was 2015 when you fell and your wrist. What happened that night? Um, I was not happy that year. There's a lot of other issues going on outside of training that I'm not ready to talk about yet because I probably shouldn't talk about it. But I was... I was injured going into that race. Uh, away from your sport? No, in the sport. But um, I, a week before that race, I had done something to my left Achilles. And the year before, I had pulled out of that same race through another injury. And I, I'm the sort of person that likes to please other people. And so I was like, I can't pull out of this race. I don't care if I'm injured or not. I have to run this race. I pulled out of it last year. And I pulled out on the day because of injury. And I can't let these people down again. I have to run. I have to do this. I feel so bad if I don't run. Where are we? 
I was racing in Rome. Right, and Rome, I was, sorry. I was in England at the time that I had injured. I thought, I have to run this race. You can't stop me from running this race. I have to do it because I have pulled out before and I need to do this. I don't know. That was just my people-pleasing personality coming out and I needed to do it. Um, and I was really sore. Like my Achilles was very, very sore. And I didn't, hadn't done a lot of hurling during that week because I just I couldn't. It hurt too much. Um, I remember on the day warming up for that race, I was sore. I was I wasn't as sore as what I had been because obviously the adrenaline was taking over. But it was still sore, but it wasn't as sore. I was like, oh, maybe I'll be okay. Maybe it, it, this will be okay. It'll get me through the race at least, and then I can say I didn't pull out of the race for the meet directors. Um, then I got through the got through the walk, got through the call room, went into like the waiting area before we went out to the stadium. I haven't actually told many people this before. I probably need to write another book. <laughs> but I was at the start line and I looked, looked down the track and I don't know why this mentality didn't pull me out of the race beforehand, but I looked down the track and I said, this is really going to hurt. Before I had even started the race, I said, this is going to really hurt. I don't know why I said that, I was just thinking maybe Achilles or something, but I thought maybe my Achilles was going to get worse. Ostell's got away well there. Pearson not so well away. I remember going out of the blocks. I was like, oh, it's not too bad, not too bad. Got over the first hurdle. Oh, I got over that. It's all right. Second hurdle. I can't even remember what hurdle it was. Maybe third. I think going over the third hurdle, landing, going into the fourth. I think it was the fourth that I crashed. Going into the fourth, I felt my calf go. I'm like, oh crap. I thought at the time that I had ruptured my Achilles because usually when you do that, your Achilles completely ruptured. It can like do like a spiral thing and like a rope and go all the way up your calf. I'm like, that's my career gone. I'm finished. I'm done. My Achilles is just completely gone. I don't, and then, I, and, but I'm still at pace here. I'm still between third and fourth hurdle. And I'm like, how do I get over this hurdle without causing even more damage to a ruptured Achilles? Because if I go over, because I take off on my right, and I, my lead leg's my left, and I'm like, I'm going to be landing over the hurdle on this left leg, and it's already ruptured. I'm going to be doing even more serious damage to my leg. So is there something else that I can do to land without hurting this leg? <laughs> and I just said, went back to my gymnastic days, maybe I can roll. Maybe I can roll over, maybe I can do a tumble over this hurdle while I'm going into the hurdle, I'm thinking all this. Good luck with that. Maybe I'll tumble. It seemed rational at the time, it seemed, <laughs> it seemed normal, like I could do this. And so I kind of like, I don't even think I put this leg down over the hurdle. I think I literally was in the air and I went, just leant forward and went, I didn't try to do a roll, but I just landed right here on my wrist, bang, that dislocated this way, um, broke everything in that wrist. That, that whatever's in that wrist there is what broke. But what happened to the champion? Stowers has stopped. There were several. Sally Pearson's gone down and is hurt, and she's hurt her, obviously hurt her wrist. It all happened in that race, didn't it? And I kind of didn't feel, I didn't feel hitting it at the time. I was like, oh, it's all right. Right. And then I looked at my hand because I hit it. So I, the first thought was to look at my hand at least. And my hand was over this way because it's dislocated. So my wrist has gone that way. My hand has gone this way. 
and I just grabbed it like this and started screaming. But I was only screaming because I needed help because I couldn't get up and walk because I had just done my calf. And people were like, why didn't you just get up? And I'm like, you only had a broken wrist. And I'm like, yeah, but I've just, I've ruptured my Achilles. I can't get up, so I'm screaming for help. I'm screaming to the photographers. And they were just taking photos of me. I'm like, help me, <laughs> someone help me. I can't move. And then all of a sudden I see my agent who has a boot on his leg. I'm like, Mari, my, I can't get up. My calf, my Achilles. I didn't care about my wrist. I'm like, my Achilles, my Achilles. And he's just gone white in his face. And the ambulance couldn't come and get me because there's hurdles all over the track. So we had to wait, they had to move all the hurdles off the track before they come and get me, oh. put me on a stretcher, because <laughs> I couldn't walk. And people were like, why? She's holding her hand, I'm like, my leg hurts so much. <laughs> why I had this left arm, left leg. I'm like, my leg hurts, my wrist hurts. And then I remember looking down on the stretcher to my wrist and my, I think, I think my wrist, my hand started to go black. I think it had. And then I, I'm like, I'm thinking all these irrational thoughts like, Oh my God, my wrist is going black. What does that mean? Does that mean it's dead? Does that mean we have to cut it off? Like, I didn't know what was going on. And then I got to the ambulance, like outside the stadium, like, I need pain relief. I'm in so much pain. Oh, so we don't do that. You can't, there's no green whistle here. I'm like, oh my God. And then like, and then they started touching my wrist. They said, oh, it might not be broken. It might just be dislocated. So I'm like, don't touch it. So they're going to like try and put it back into oh, place. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm thinking, no. don't you dare touch my wrist. I'm, I wasn't, and they're Italian, so they're not speaking um, precise English either. And so they just put this big splint around it, took me to the hospital. Um, Kieran got into the ambulance with me. Kieran was on the other side of the stadium, out in the warm-up track, watching it on a big screen. And he's then he saw what happened. He's sprinting right around this stadium. The stadium is like a maze to get through, to get to me. Finally saw him. He jumped in the ambulance with me. And I'm screaming. I'm like, Kieran, I'm retired. I hate this crap. I hate doing this. I hate this sport. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm retired. He goes, it's okay. Don't worry. We don't even talk about that. I'm retired. Let me talk. I want, I want to say whatever I want to say. And he goes, okay, you're retired. Fine. Cool. Don't have to do this again. You're done. Just to make me happy to shut me up because I'm, I'm going off my head. I'm so upset and I'm hurting. And the ambulance, like the nurse, the paramedic in the ambulance like stop crying stop crying like I don't want to stop crying I'm upset I'm so emotional <laughs> I'm going into the hospital screaming I had to cut all my uniform off me <laughs> and then I got the, had the um the x-ray and then they thinking it was just broken maybe just put it into a cast they said um it looks like you have to have surgery you've done a lot of damage here but you have to wait till Monday when the surgeon comes back. We're Thursday night at uh. 8 o'clock at night I did it. I have to wait till Monday for the surgery. They left me dislocated and broken on paracetamol till Monday for the surgery. <laughs> You're kidding me. It was described as a bone explosion. Well, that's what the surgeon said. With his, he didn't speak much English. You're that's, on the, that's, that's you're how on he the said to me. and you've got a bone <laughs> explosion in your hand for four days. Yeah, yeah. What's going on over there? Yeah, well, he was on holidays, I guess. So right. <laughs> the surgeon came back and said it was a bone explosion. He's hoping he had a good holiday. Yeah, well, <laughs> I had to get back into rehab, unfortunately. But um, they did a really good job. They looked after me really well. Um, but yeah, it was 
horrific four days of waiting around to have surgery in Italy in a not because you weren't going to get me anywhere else. I was like, they're like, let's get her to London and get her surgery there. I'm like, I'm not getting off this bed. I am not moving. I am in too much pain to do anything. I cannot do. I can't. I can't even move my wrist to this day. Um, but I wasn't leaving that that bed until I was going to have surgery. And after that, I was out of pain straight away, which was good. Came home. So you've been so outstanding with your time. I just want to ask you a few general questions about how you've got to where you've got and how you deal with things. Yep. What's been the toughest moment that you've had to date? Um, probably leaving my first coach. Yep. That was really, really tough and it still is tough to this day. Um, but leaving her was very hard because we'd been through so much together. Um, we had 14 years of training, um, comp- competitions, we had a world title, we had an Olympic Games, we had a, a world champ silver medal, um, we had Olympic silver medal, we had all those results and then um, obviously making it, making the decision to sort of go my own way was very hard, yeah. What is the key to success? And that could be a 25 minute answer. Yeah. But in, in a snapshot, as yeah. someone that has achieved so much, what do you think the key is? I could probably put it down to a few words, um, and that is passion, love, respect, determination, determination, huge determination, and motivation to do everything that is required of you. And when it's all done, and you're sitting on your porch having a shardy when you're 50, yeah. and people say, oh, Sally Pearson, as an athlete, she was this. How would you like them to describe you? The best. I've always wanted to be known for my running and my running only. Um, so that's, that's how I want to be remembered as the best. And you will be remembered as the best, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Yeah. My other head says no. <laughs> how do you mean? Oh, because I'm such a perfectionist that I still feel like what I have done isn't the best. I'm not sure if I ever will feel myself that I will be that. Maybe other people will, but for myself, I might never think that I am the best. How are you going to feel that competitive pit inside yourself? Um, I love the sport and I want to remain in the sport. And I love coaching. I've been coaching a few athletes now and I, and I really enjoy it. I love being a part of my sport. So if I can be a part of my sport for the rest of my life, that will fulfill me. What is it like when kids come up with stars in their eyes <laughs> and say, wow, you won an Olympic gold medal? Um, it's a bit strange, really. Because uh, I, I was never one of those kids. I never like, idolised anyone for what... I, I loved what they did, but I never sort of idolised them because I wanted to be that. Um, so I kind of laugh a little bit at them when they either cry when they see me. <laughs> I give them a big hug. Um, but it, it's special that you can make someone feel so happy just by doing what you're doing. Something you mentioned in an interview recently which took me by surprise um, because you seem such an outgoing, confident personality. You talked about anxiety. Yeah. Is it something you're happy to chat with me about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't bother me. Um, and I'm good once I'm in this situation, but even before this interview, I was waiting in my car outside so that I wouldn't have to wait around the people waiting outside to come in. Uh, and I was like... I really hope they're in there getting ready and it's all done because I don't like being around a lot of people when I don't know the people. 
Um, I've always been really shy when I first meet people. I don't, I don't like crowds of people, so I was waiting for everyone to come into the building before I'd even got out of my car to come to see if you were in here. I was waiting out for five minutes, but I was comfortable doing that because there was no one else waiting there. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe I'll just go and ask and see if Channel 10 are, are inside. Um, <laughs> but even then, that made me nervous because that means I had to um, ask the question that to see if you were in here. And then they said, oh, yeah, it's you. And then she's like, and then the lady recognised me. She's like, oh, I didn't recognise it was you. And she wanted to start talking. I was like, then my anxiety started to come up again because I had to start talking about myself to someone that I don't even know um, in, an, in a situation that's not controlled. <laughs> How do you deal with that? But I, I think because... In society in general, so it's been fantastic in the last 15 years that people have these conversations yes. now. So people can hear it and think, in your position as a role model, they think, wow, Sally Pearson has a bit of a struggle I'm with that. I'm probably more nervous talking to them than they are talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what people don't realise. And, and sometimes it can come across as being a bit rude or arrogant, but it's more the fact that I actually just don't want to be recognised or seen because I'm too nervous to even talk to people. Um, I, I, once I get talking, I'm OK. And when I feel comfortable in my environment, I'm OK. Um, but when people come up and talk to me, I just kind of, I guess, I fake it. <laughs> Um, I am getting more used to it and um, being more relaxed in my own self, I guess. Um, but it is difficult. It, it is hard, especially like if one person comes over. I'm okay if one person comes over and asks me for a photo or an autograph. But if someone from another group sees that person talking to me, they would be like, I would be thinking what that other person is thinking. like. Oh, why is that person talking to that person? Why are they getting a photo of that person? Who is that person? Like, just having that attention. And then if they said, oh, I know who that person is, and they'll come over, and then that will cause a bigger group and more attention from around. It's so stupid because it doesn't necessarily happen like that. But that's my anxiety telling me that, oh, there's another person looking at this person asking me for an autograph or a photo. That's going to cause more attraction. That's right. what scares me. You've been great with your time. <laughs> we need to move on. Um, I've loved chatting with you. <laughs> what and how do you feel about this next phase? You talk about you can start jogging soon and you talked about the 2020 Olympics. Is it? Is it excitement, fear, nerves, anticipation, love, happiness? How do you feel about this next stage of athletic career? Um, which will be the final stage. I'm excited because I love racing at the World Championships. I love it. I've had so much success at the World Championships that I, I, I really, really enjoy them because it's about my sport. It's only about my sport and nothing else, and that's, that, that's what I love. But I'm also a bit fearful because um, of injury. Um, 2015, 2016, now 2018, I've had major injuries and haven't been able to come back from them straight away. Like, it's taken it's a long period of um, rehab and training. Um, involved with it, so that's what I'm, I'm fearful of, um, having another injury leading into the World Champs next year. How's it been to reflect on a career that's still going that has had so many highs? <laughs> it's tiring. <laughs> it's <laughs> been tiring listening. <laughs> that build up to London, crikey. It's, it's, it's really, really tiring, um, but so fantastic at the same time because I do have these wonderful stories to tell. You're a star. Thank you Thank so you. much, Sally. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. 
Sally Pearson, what a true champion and what a description that was of her Olympic gold in 2012 at London. Thanks to Sally for agreeing to appear on the show and also to her manager, Robert Josky, who made the whole thing happen. Nice work by MJ, as always, to stick it all together and Das for trying to help us out with some of those audio issues. Good luck to Sally in the lead-up to some huge events over the next year, although let's be honest, if she never ran again, she would still be recognised as a true legend of Australian sport. We will be... Again, we will be back on Thursday, April 11, with a guest whose name I can't actually tell you yet because we haven't recorded the episode as yet, but it will happen, and I am tremendously excited about this guest, as is old mate MJ. Until then, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Try, try, try Listener